Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. As always, I am joined by Dan LaMagna. That's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Excited to be here tonight, guys. You know, pretty fresh off of Memorial Day weekend. Uh, stoked with the Scott Fish Bowl invites we all got. And uh, most excited to talk shop with you guys. I missed the memo clearly. You both are repping your Scott Fishbowl nine shirts. You didn't tell me. Twinning. Woo. You, you didn't tell me. That's a bluff. Nah, that's the, right. the group chat was out tonight. I told you I, I was getting a nap in. I was recovering from the weekend. Johnny went to sleep. I got a few minutes of shut eye here, and then I'll be awake till like 4 a.m. tonight. But as you can see on the screen, he's hiding his fantastic hair. Mitch Sorensen, that's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's going on? Yeah, I haven't got a haircut in like three weeks, and I don't want to show it yet. So maybe, say, maybe show, it off. It show it off. See, it's just. Oh, look at those luscious yeah. locks. Always don't pretty like over it. there, man. Don't like it. When's the big move? Um, About a month away now. Okay. Yep. So getting all the paint done and all that stuff. Went and spent a whole bunch of money on appliances this weekend. So it's getting close. So I'm, I'm looking at our screen here and I'm kind of laughing to myself. As you can tell, I'm doing the st standing desk tonight. And you two know I had a, uh, a Memorial Day injury and it's not even a good story. I wish it was, but I sprained my knee trying to put out a fire. And that's like the epitome of athleticism. Somebody commented because I tweeted it out a picture of myself with ice on my knee. And somebody commented, there's unathletic and then there's you. So I was like, okay, that, that pretty much sums it up right about now. But luckily, I'm not forced to play on the field. We just talk about the fantasy football aspect of it. Make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. If you're watching live right now, you are. But if you're listening on our feed, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, make sure you're subscribed. We're giving away a paid one-year subscription to Dynasty League Football. We had a listener. He wanted to remain anonymous. If it were me, I'd be telling the world, hey, I donated that to these guys to give away. But he wants to remain anonymous, and he's giving away a free paid subscription. So we're giving it away to one of our valued listeners that are subscribed to the YouTube channel. So make sure you're checking that out. Um, you know, And if you enjoy the show, or if you hate it, leave a review, leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Mitch, People are saying that you didn't come on the show last week because of the beatdown you were getting in the comment section on Theory Throwdown. Like, there's a lot of Broncos fans on YouTube. Like, there's a ton of them. And, it, and the best ones are like, do you even watch True Lock? Yeah, I did. And that's the whole issue with it. Yeah, man, it's rough out there. Dan was skating by easy last week, but Mitch, man, you were getting, and I was even getting attacked. I was like, I was the moderator. I, I didn't even take a side. Yeah, there, there's Dan, 2-0. So we'll see what happens later tonight when we talk about Miles Sanders versus Derrick Henry, but we'll get into that a little bit later tonight. So, you know, we talked about the giveaway for our YouTube subscribers. We talked about the feed. This week, what we want to do, we were going to do a mock draft. We kind of went back and forth on some ideas. And Mitch, it was your idea to go through have a listener provide an actual startup draft they took part in, and we're going to critique it. We're going to go through, you guys are going to talk each about one player you like in that round, one player you dislike. So we're kind of doing a thumbs up, thumbs down kind of thing. And 
we had an overwhelming response and so many people dropped their startups in the, the thread. What we're going to do, we're going to go through nine rounds or as many as we possibly can, because as you guys know, I get carried away. So I might just talk for 90 minutes. We might not even get to any of these rounds, but we're going to see if we can get through nine rounds here and we're going to throw them up on the screen. So the viewers can see the draft order, you know, what players were selected and you guys are going to let us know who you like, who you don't, who's getting the thumbs up, who's getting the thumbs down. And we're going to start with the first round here. So Mitch, we'll start with you and I'll flash this up on the screen. This one comes to us from at Omaha dynasty, 12 team super flex, not tight end premium. So you're looking at this draft order, Mitch, you have Patrick Mahomes, McCaffrey, Jackson, Barkley, Michael Thomas, Zeke, Watson, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Mixon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Kyler Murray going in the first round of this 12-team Superflex startup. Who do you like? Who's getting a thumbs up for Mitch Sorensen here? So it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. I'm, I'm okay with my homes too and Jackson and everything, but round one, I want the instant lock. Somebody you're going to play every week. You don't have to worry about, I mean, you know, knock on wood injuries. You don't even have to worry with that with him. So give me Christian McCaffrey there. And then my thumbs down is going to be, I want to go with Joe Mixon, but then I saw Clyde Edwards, Alaire was there. And how would you take him as running back seven in the first round of a startup right now? That's his absolute ceiling. Like you are hoping that he turns into a, you know, top five running back and you're already drafting him as seven. You're never going to get that value back out of him. So I don't see any reason to take him that high besides you're a Chiefs fan or you just have a lot of rookie fever at this point. Luckily, so whenever I threw this out to you guys, what I try to do, I have you give your answers outside of our little Dynasty Theory group chat because I don't want you guys to to waver one way or the other because of somebody else's answers. And Dan, for this first round, you actually agree here. You have McCaffrey as your thumbs up. Edward Slayer's your thumbs down. So what are your thoughts there? McCaffrey going at 102 and then Edward Slayer going at 111 here. Yeah, probably a rare time that, you know, the three of us ever are on the same wavelength completely in a draft of, you know, any round of any draft. Uh, But I'm right with Mitch here. You know, when I look at a first round pick, I'm looking for safety because I don't want to mess this pick up. But I'm also looking to get, you know, an elite football player. Uh, You know, I don't 100% agree with Mahomes, number one, but I get it. You know, it's super flex. You're going to have a young elite quarterback for the rest of his career, which is a long time in Dynasty. So I, I could get that. Um, but I want to lock down the running back and Christian McCaffrey, you know, the guy who guy or gal who picked that 102 here, they did what they were supposed to do, supposed to do, and they took an elite running back. But then as you slide down this first round, there's solid picks. And I could see the argument for every one of these picks, and then it just falls off when you get to Clyde Edwards Alaire. And we all love him. We all believe he's gonna be an excellent running back in the NFL. He's got a great situation. And I'm assuming whoever took him at 1.11 is probably a Chiefs fan that loves him too, or who knows. But even if they're right and he becomes great, they still could have had him in the second round. So why do you pass up? Could have had him in the third round. Uh, they just reached too much here. He hasn't even earned a snap in the NFL yet. RB7 in the first, first round. That's a no-no. So, Mitch, do you have Christian McCaffrey's your thumbs up strictly because it's Christian McCaffrey? Or do you kind of have an issue with him not being the 101 here? Because we've talked about this off the air. Honestly, I like Mahomes as the 101. I think that's the lock answer. But when I have Mahomes, 
on my teams. And I actually have quite a few startups this year to where I was able to get Mahomes. I don't like my teams when I'm done with the startup. I sit back and I look at it and I'm like, the team's going to compete, but I don't think it's one of the top three teams in the league to where if I had Christian McCaffrey and say Matthew Stafford, I would be a lot happier with that than having Patrick Mahomes and James Connor, you know, just people that are going around that neighborhood. I, I think my boy Connor, Mitch, come on. I, I think Mahomes is the smart pick, but I still just don't like my teams. If he's my same with Lamar, you know, I just don't like how my teams end up when I pick them in the first round. I've talked about this. I think there's so much value in quarterback and you're going to see it here. We're going to get to the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds here. And of course, every single super flex draft is completely different. And that's kind of why we knock mocks a little bit in one quarterback mocks. It's perfect. It's great. But once you throw quarterbacks, once you throw the tight end premium in, it's completely different. Things really get thrown all over the place. For me, Christian McCaffrey is my one oh one. And I'm extremely pro quarterback. And Dan, you're already raising your hand here, man. We're nine minutes in. What's up? I just got one last point on this. And it's just it's it's agreeing with Mitch now because we'll be fighting in our, our you know theory throwdown at the end of the night. Um to the point of you know what your rosters end up with if you don't get that stud running back early. So here you have one of the top you know, four, five, six picks in, in this first round. When you take a quarterback, you're playing with fire. Like you have to be right later on because your roster construction is at risk as the running back position really does thin out. And there's only so many bell cow elite backs out there. So you better be on your game if you miss out. What do you guys think about Dalvin Cook at 108? I can't put him as more of a thumbs down than Clyde Edwards Hilaire at running back seven. But if there's another one that we're talking about, that's a guy that kind of jumped off the page for me. I would take Kamara over Cook straight up right now. And I just think there's too much risk with Dalvin Cook at this point in time. But Alvin Kamara's have the same issues. I think you're holding your breath a little bit more and you're a little more uh, inclined to try to get that handcuff of, you know, Madison or Latavius Murray, if you take one of those two backs. So I think you're right with a little more risk. You're a little more nervous coming out of the round, John, but they're the right pick. I mean, they're elite talent. You just need them to stay healthy. You know, your risk isn't your risk is higher than when you have CMC, Barkley, Zeke, who've been a little bit more durable. Mitch, you can look at me right now and say there's not more risk associated with Dalvin Cook than Alvin Kamara. No, I don't believe so at all. Dalvin Cook is the bell cow for the Vikings. Kamara will never be a bell cow for the Saints. He doesn't Kamara need to be. Was he, injured he's had 81 year. receptions each of his first three years. You he don't has. need to be a bell cow with that production at the receiving game. How many did Dalvin have? He had a good amount, but can, can he stay healthy for a can Kamara stay healthy? Kamara was injured than, last year too. Than Dalvin Cook. That was the first time, though, Kamara really worried us about injuries, and, and I think his was a little more flukish. I'm a little more worried about Dalvin Cook being made out of glass because it's been multiple years. There's a little more of a history there building up. So I think I'm a little more nervous, Mitch, but it's close. And we can't even bring up the contract either because Kamara's due for a contract just like Dalvin Cook is. So I think I like Dalvin Cook more. I think he has a higher shot at being RB1 than I don't think Kamara has that chance. So that's the reason why I would take Cook over Kamara. But I mean, both are still great guys. This is, you know, splitting hairs a little bit here. There's a little more risk associated with Dalvin Cook. And if you're watching live now, drop in the chat. You know, if we're, we're talking about some of these players, and Dan says there are thumbs down and you're thinking, whoa, 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 Dan, you know, what's going on here? He, this guy's not a thumbs down or vice versa with Mitch. Um, you know, 
Let us know your thoughts. Let us know if you agree. Maybe there's somebody that you think you really hate in one of these rounds that we're not talking about. Mm-hmm. Those are just the guys that that jumped out to me. Murray, you know, even Mixon, I, I don't know if I could take him in the first. And I think a lot of this has to do with me wanting to trade out of the first a lot. And I think that's part of the reason. If I have 101 through 104, I'm not really going to argue with Mahomes, Jackson, and McCaffrey going 101 or 102, but then Barkley, he kind of slips in there, 103, 104. Michael Thomas, Zeke, I feel comfortable with him as long as he can avoid off-the-field issues. Kyler Murray, I'm okay with him at quarterback four. So I think you guys hit the nail on the head. McCaffrey, he's going to be the thumbs up whether he's 101 or wherever else. Uh, For me, he's the 101. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, man, it takes some cojones to take him at 111 overall in a super flex league. So let's move along here to the second round. And when you guys look at this, if you're watching the YouTube video, you're watching live, some of these guys are going to overlap because we went through nine different drafts from nine different people here on Twitter. And this one comes from Aaron 085-11013. I appreciate all those numbers in there. But as you can see, there's a little bit of overlap. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire actually... He's in each of these first three rounds. So that shows the wide range that a player like Edwards Hilaire is going. So you look here, I'm knocking my microphone over. I'm all excited over here. So you look, you have Joe Mixon, George Kittle, Chubb, Hopkins, Adams, Tyree Kill, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Jonathan Taylor, Julio Jones at 210, Clyde Edwards Hilaire here at 211. So a full round later than Omaha Dynasty's draft, and then Travis Kelsey at 212. Now, guys, the only curveball here is it's tight end premium. I don't know what the premium is, but it is tight end pre- tight end premium. So we have 12-team Superflex with the premium. Dan, start us off this time. Who's your thumbs up in the second round? Thumbs up. You know, I hate to say this live with, uh, you know, Mitch and I throwing down tonight. And uh, Justin, I know, is listening to our show tonight. He already commented that he has Kamara overcook in our last debate. Um, but I have the thumbs up. Miles Sanders. I just think it's prime real estate for him there. And I think that person at 208 celebrated when he saw Josh Jacobs go before him. It's almost like a pick is gifted to you. You know you need that stud young back with upside. And he's going to run. He's going to catch. He's going to do more things than Jacobs is going to do. So I'm giving away my thumbs down of Josh Jacobs, who, again, I like as a dynasty running back. But I'm very concerned that there's no pass down work at all and all these running backs that they're bringing in, uh, just looking at value there, Josh Jacobs doesn't get a Derrick Henry workload to justify going ahead of Miles Sanders. So that's that's my picks there, my man. And it's really interesting when you look through all these different drafts and you can tell, and I had the luxury of going through the actual drafts. Mitch and Dan, you're just seeing the rounds that we're talking about, but you're seeing DeAndre Hopkins go at 204. So in this one, clearly there were there was one wide receiver taken in that first round and you're going to see some rounds later where quarterbacks are going extremely late tight ends were completely faded running backs are off the board early so the different dynamics from each draft and i think that's what makes Superflex especially so interesting mitch who is your thumbs up here in the second round so i had to go back to my street but it's definitely going to be 
Kittle. Kittle is someone that I'm trying to trade up for in the first round in any tight end premium. And if you're able to get him as the first tight end off the board at 202, you are doing great. I mean, if you just don't even look at the premium itself, if you look at just flat PPR points, he's getting two points on average over the tight end five, and that's Waller and Andrews. That's every game he's giving you two points over the tight end. That's, you know, this is going to be the fifth best overall. It's going to be the exact same about the guy I'm going to talk about next round. So definitely Kittle without a shadow of a doubt. I want him on every team. And my hate is going to be Julio. Thumbs down. Your thumbs down, Mitch. Oh, sorry. My thumbs down is going to be Julio. But when you're taking him there at the 210, like I could tell you from personal experience, you're never getting that value back. He could go out and have the best wide. He could go out and do what Michael Thomas did last year. Have an absolute huge year. You will never get that value out of him. So you're going to get two to three good years, which is fine. But then he's going to be worth nothing on your team. And you're going to have to take him at a loss. And when I'm picking in these first three rounds, I don't want to have to take a loss in the next couple of years just to try to win, you know, the first year or the second year. It's just not something that I'm looking to do. We've talked about Julio. You're going to get great return these next two years. Mm -hmm. I honestly, I could see him being the wide receiver one here in 2020 and a top five wide receiver in 2021. But like you said, Mitch, you're never going to get that return. He's a player that's going to die on your team. Now, if you were able to acquire him five years ago, you have been able to ride out plenty of success. But if you're taking him at 210, and we're not here to bash anybody's picks. You know, that's not the purpose of this. But looking at values and perceived value and the production that we're expecting, Julio Jones at wide receiver five, if I posted that poll on Twitter tonight and I said, are you buying or selling Julio Jones at wide receiver five in Dynasty? 90% to 10%. Maybe Julio Jones' family would vote for him, but I don't know if many other people were voting for him. I, I was definitely torn there, John. Uh, you know, it was Julio or Jacobs. And where I kind of just landed was Julio at wide receiver five with wide receiver one upside versus Jacobs running back eight. Um, I'm just thinking to myself, hey, I'm going to roll the dice, get an elite receiver, go for the win. You know, receivers have more longevity than running back. So, you know, him being an elite athlete, I'm just kind of, again, hoping he lasts a little bit longer. And then, you know, try not to be ageist. But if if I got to that point, I mean, Mitch is definitely right. That's top value. You're not going to get it back. I am just kind of relying on my trade skills to pull something off somewhere down the line. Dan's going to offer Julio Jones for the 101, 102, and 103 next year to start. And then he's going to throw $10 of fab in. He's going to throw in Marcel Aitman. I, I want the fab. Come on. I, I wouldn't be so steep with all those ones, but you know, you, you're going somewhere with that. I, I, I get it. I get it. No, but it really is. It's a, it's a tough pick here. And I know I told you guys, I don't want to talk about the same player in back-to-back -back rounds, but this one's going to be on me because I am going to bring it up. So Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to 11 here. He was running back 11 in this draft that Aaron provided. And Jonathan Taylor came in at 209, running back 10. How do you feel about those two guys? Are you comfortable with them there? Do you think it's kind of a reach? Do you think they slipped in, in value there? Mitch, what do you think? I think that's okay because you're getting him at running back 10. So it's after all the bell cows are gone because we have seven or eight of those in the league that we feel comfortable with. After that, it's a crapshoot on which guys you like more. And so I'm completely okay with CEH, Taylor, Dobbins, all at the end of the second round going to the third. If there's one you like more than the other, just grab him. I could care less if it's JT over CEH or Dobbins over 
both of them. If you like Dobbins more then just go and grab them at that point, because once you get past those big backs, there's a cluster of guys that are really close together. And that's where, you know, that's just to get your guy sort of thing. I have to call you out here for a second, Mitch. So okay. everybody knows that you and I, we take part in a lot of leagues where we co-own teams mm-hmm. and I'm all aboard the JK Dobbins, Dobbins hype train. I wanted to take him in the third round and mm-hmm. you wouldn't let me. Silence. We took him though. <laughs> no, we took DJ Moore. Well, yeah, that makes more sense. No, no. I, I, I just, I think my love for Dobbins, it was, it was blinding me a but, little bit, but it was just so, interesting. Since we're talking about it, since we're going to talk about Dobbins, DJ Moore is going in the same area. To me, he is a top five wide receiver. He is. Like, he's super young. He has everything you could possibly ask for. Great offense. Everything's there. That's kind of a can't-miss guy for me. And with Dobbins, you are waiting for 2021. And it's completely okay to do that. But if it's DJ Moore or Dobbins, I'm going to take more every single time. And I would take more over JT as well. And I, I gave in. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I was the one that hit the button. I selected DJ Moore. I just thought it was interesting that you mentioned Dobbins being okay with taking him at the end of the second when he wasn't even on your radar in the third. Different draft. And there's silence again, Dan. See, I, I, I always know when Mitch is stumped because we just get that look. You know, he tries to exude confidence, but no words are coming out, Dan. Now, I, I will stick up for Mitch a little here, though, John. I think there he was go. defending someone that would have drafted him. And in the certain situation, he could understand the pick. But there are situations where a DJ Moore, like in your draft, made more sense. So I, I think you're both right. No, you you got to pick boring. one side or the other, and you're clearly <laughs> in camp, Mitch. I, you know, I don't even know why I associate with you two. You're always teaming up on me. Whoa, is we're me. twinning, baby. Yeah, I know. Again, you didn't. You, you said, "Hey guys, are you wearing your Scott Fishbowl shirt?" You didn't tell me to wear it. Well, you know, when Scott Fish does come on our show, we're gonna have a little intervention. Why you wear your Scott Fishbowl shirts like five times a week, and it wasn't available for our show tonight? We can't help that, John. There, there's we, we probably- did message you earlier. They're, they're dirty. There's like ketchup stains on it from Memorial Day. Uh, blood from my accident, probably. It splattered up. No, there was no blood, thank God. I would have fainted. Now, looking at the third round here, going back, uh, this one comes from at Do or Dynasty. I love that Twitter handle. It's a 12 team super flex. This one is also tight end premium. Again, we're looking at Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Actually, before where he went in the second round in terms of running back. So we went running back 10 here at 301. And then you have Derek Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Jones, Mike Evans, Travis Kelsey, Carson Wentz, DJ Moore, Matt Ryan, Juju, Eckler, and Andrews. Mitch, start us off. Thumbs up. Oh, thumbs up's going to be Kelsey. If you're getting Kelsey as tight end two in the third round in a premium, I mean, he's going in the first round in a lot of leagues. So that is just such a huge value. He's actually averaged the same points per game that Kittle did. So they're pretty much neck and neck to me on whoever you want to choose. So it's definitely Kelsey, but I, you know, thumbs down on Juju. I think the only reason why he's wide receiver eight is because he was talked about being the top wide receiver last year. And people aren't willing to come back and say, you know, there's a lot more talent in the NFL and, I can't see Juju being even a top 10 wide receiver this year. I don't think the targets are going to be there for him. And 
I'm not sure if he's the best wide receiver on his team anymore. Deontay Johnson is awesome. And this isn't to dog hoop Juju at all, but I think he might be a very, very good wide receiver too on a team. You know, kind of like kinda, where Calvin shined. Ridley is. Yeah, it's kind of like Calvin Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley, but I don't see him as a wide receiver one, and I don't see Juju as a wide receiver one either. Yeah, Juju at wide receiver eight. There is there's some risk associated because there's talks about them not extending him, you know, beyond his final year of the contract. So wide receiver eight, he came off those first two years. He was he was great. And then last year, there were a lot of things going on. You have the quarterback situation. That was a disaster. And then, you know, the offensive line. We talked about Mike Munchak leaving. That definitely played a role. And the running game wasn't what it was previously. And I think that goes back to the quarterback situation. But this trickled down to Juju's effectiveness here in 2019. And I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him at 310. If I'm sitting on the clock here at 310, I'm going to try to move back. And that's always my answer. I'm going to try to move back, but I wouldn't feel comfortable taking him there either. Dan, thumbs up. Who's your guy? There's a lot of good thumbs up guys here. I think, you know, the teams in this league, you know, we got some sharp owners. There's some interesting picks, but my guy is, and I'm basing this on trying to find a workhorse running back. You know, if you missed out on those top four in the first round, then you're getting into those top rookie backs or you're down to Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, uh, and I'm hopping on Derrick Henry here. I just think you have a workhorse stud running back in the third round. That makes me happy. I could sleep tight with my roster at the end of this draft, knowing I at least got somebody to compete with the big boys. Uh, so it's Derrick Henry for me. He's my thumbs up. My thumbs down here is way down. Is uh, an old quarterback in Dynasty in the third round in Matty Ryan. You know, I think he's going to have a good year. Um, and again, that's very contingent on Julio and Ridley staying healthy because their wide receiver depth is not what it once was. Um, you know, why they didn't draft C.D. Lamb before Dallas, I have no idea. Uh, but aging quarterbacks in Dynasty are very tough to trade, and I find it hard to believe in this draft he couldn't have taken, you know, we're talking tight end premium here. He could have hopped on Mark Andrews and been right there with Kittle and Kelsey. Instead, he takes the aging quarterback instead of waiting for, you know, another quarterback in the fourth round. I actually don't mind where Matt Ryan went in terms of the other quarterbacks, quarterback 11. But you can tell this league is definitely quarterback happy. Mm-hmm. And it probably has some deadbeat like Mitch in there trying to hoard quarterbacks. Yeah, people love when you do that. They they like love it. They're really happy to have you in the league. You know, no one hates you for it. So definitely grab all the quarterbacks because it works out really well. And I, I say that in jest because I'm the one typically that's hoarding the quarterbacks. And Dan, you witnessed that this offseason. We're in one of the safe leagues and there were some comments. There was some aggression. It wasn't like anything really hostile, but man, there were some people, they were upset with me. They're like, oh, are you going to grab another quarterback here? And I just said, yeah. So there is a chance that, you know, this owner had JB and Mitch in the league hoarding quarterbacks, but I still believe he could have got Goff, Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Garoppolo, and still been happy later without passing up on a stud skill position guy he needed. Yeah, as many shares of Matt Ryan that I have, I don't think I've taken one in the third round in a 12-team Superflex. 14, completely different. All bets are off once you get above 12. But in a 12-team Superflex league, I can't take Matt Ryan in the third. And again, if you're tuning in live, drop it in the chat. Do you like that value for Matt Ryan? Whether it's looking at him as quarterback 11 or at 309 overall in a Superflex tight end premium draft, 
I'm a huge Matt Ryan supporter. I just can't see it at that point in the draft. And actually, Dan, I disagree a little bit with Derrick Henry, and I don't mind him in the third round at all. But we talked to the um, Kate Michelle from the Ball Blast podcast, and one of my questions that night was Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor. And I was pro-Jonathan Taylor in that situation. So when I see him go immediately after Derrick Henry, I have to give Derrick Henry the thumbs down in that situation. And I know you're going to disagree. I know. Yeah, I'm just a King Henry guy. So he's just been one of my guys the last couple of years. I think there's a lot of good years still in him at age, a young age, 26. I just think he's a generational guy that, again, I want to win this year. And that's part of my strategy, too. When I look at coming out of those first three rounds, I want those to be three studs. And I don't want to wait on Jonathan Taylor. Um, I get it. I'm not saying it's a solid pick in the third round. I just give thumbs up for taking King Henry. I think Henry is a great pick at running back 11. And I also agree with Dan with the last one, where Miles Sanders is even a better pick at running back eight. Let's just remember that for the rest of the night. Just throwing that <laughs> plant out there. seeds, plant seeds. <laughs> <laughs> so anybody, you know, we have the two different shows we've been doing on a weekly basis except for whenever Mitch scurries away and doesn't show up because Dan Mitch was, he was shaking his boots again. He saw the comments on YouTube and he said, guys, I can't deal with this hate. I just can't do it. But tonight we are going to have Miles Sanders versus Derrick Henry. Dan, can he go three and O because I think, well, Mitch, you were playing behind the eight ball. I think I, the last two theory throwdowns, I do think you're behind the eight ball. No, I mean, if everybody likes lock more than, I mean, that's on them. That I mean, I don't understand it at all. I wonder if anybody ever watches and they go, I, I, I always compare player values and the preconceived notions to politics. Nobody's going to watch that and go, oh man, you know what? Mitch, you did change my mind. Hey, I'm just Not- proud. Of our, I'm proud of our listeners. They know I'm like Jordan going for the three-peat here tonight. You know, it was a great battle with Mitch with Locke and Darnold and, and our listeners answered. So kudos to everybody out there. This one's already over because Dan's already done it for me. So I'm just going to tell him to, you know, tune in to like the 15 minutes into this pod. And then I just won't talk for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Mitch, 15 minutes. We're half an hour in, buddy. Oh, my bad. Time so like I said, we're going to get through as many rounds here in 90 minutes. And I actually think we're going to be able to make it under that. But looking at the fourth round here, I'm going to pull this up on the screen. So this one comes from at Diesel DC3. 12-team Superflex, not a tight end premium. At 401, you have Carson Wentz, Mark Andrews, Kenyon Drake, Aaron Jones, Julio Jones, who, again, we talked about earlier, but much later here, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, DeAndre Swift, D.K. Metcalf, Jerry Judy at wide receiver 15, and then right behind him, Odell Beckham at wide receiver 16. Dan, thumbs up. Who do you got? First, I got to have a little wisecrack here, John. I think you picked all these leagues that didn't draft any Dallas Cowboys just so I cannot talk about them tonight. I'm going through a draw right now. But my thumbs up here, I'm going to stay on the stud running back theme here. And and I'm still an Aaron Jones believer. So to get a stud running back in the fourth round, again, I I just think he's a a receiver in that offense. I mean, they find ways to get him the ball. He's still going to get his catches. I know his touchdowns will probably decline a little bit from his high totals of last year. But for me, it's all about position value, and that's Aaron Jones in the fourth round. And then my thumbs down player is a player I love, so I feel like I'm contradicting myself. 
But with no tight end premium in this Diesel DC3 league, uh, thumbs down to me goes to Mark Andrews. Love the player, but with no tight end premium, it's just a little bit early for me. There's just a couple elite positional guys, high upside guys that I just wouldn't want to pass on this uh, in this fourth round. So Andrews is a down for me. When you started off with saying your thumbs down was a tight end, I was looking at the fifth round here and I was like, wait a minute, that guy's not a tight end, but that's on me because clearly I was not looking in the right place. And then Mitch, let's go over to you for your thumbs up before we kind of dive into both your players. So thumbs up is definitely going to be Carson Wentz. If you're getting him as quarterback 11, it's he's a top seven, eight talent to me easily. And he has produced at quarterback one level when he's been healthy and they've added a lot of skill positions behind him. So I really, really like Carson Wentz there at quarterback 11. If I could do that in each league and grab him in the fourth round, I'm really happy with that. And then my thumbs down is going to be Jerry Judy. And this isn't even Drew Lockhead. It's getting him at wide receiver 15 hate there. You can't tell me that there aren't 15 wide receivers in the league that aren't better than Jerry Judy that aren't going to get a higher target share every single year than Jerry Judy. It's just not feasible. And so if you're actually looking at it, you're breaking down the Broncos offense. They're going to be a run first team. They already have Sutton. They have Noah Fant. They have Melvin Gordon. He just isn't going to get the target share for at least the next few years. And so if you're taking him at wide receiver 15, give me Allen Robinson that's going in wide receiver 20s. I mean, give me any other team's wide receiver one over a rookie slot wide receiver. I just don't see why you would choose him there besides you liked him as a rookie and that's about it. Now, Mitch, you brought this up on a previous show and I actually think it might've even been on the fusion podcast when we all jumped on there. Do you think this is the time of year still the rookie hype is out of control Mm -hmm. and we talked about it because there are certain times of the year in startups that veterans are easier to target. When do you think that kind of shifts over because clearly Jerry Judy wide receiver 15, I don't think we're going to see that in July startups. Yeah, I talked about in the super flex birds too. It's this time of year, if you're doing a startup, rookies are going to go a lot higher than they should. And it's not just Jerry Judy. It's every single rookie is going to go up higher. And I think it's going to stay that way until August, until we hear a lot of redraft stuff starting to happen and people start to get that redraft frame of mind when they're doing these dynasty drafts. There's just these rookies, because that's all everyone's heard about in Dynasty. For the last three months, it's rookies, 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 rookies. That's what every single podcast is about. And then they get into the draft and they say, oh, hey, Jerry Judy's is still there. I need to grab him. And I think it's just, we need to take a step back and be like, well, how does this actually look going into the future? And for the next three years, I don't think Jerry Judy is going to have a top 15 wide receiver season. At that point in the draft, you're looking at Jerry Judy, wide receiver 15. I would probably go in a different direction, even in positions altogether. If I can't move back, my answer to everything is move back because I can never make the decision. I'm always like, oh, there's five guys I'd like. I'll move back. And Dan, before we get to you, I know I see you have your hand up. Justin in the chat, he says Odell was in there. I thought I said Odell Beckham at 412. If I didn't, I apologize. But Odell was in there at wide receiver 16. Odell's right a great back. pick there at wide receiver 16. Yeah, and you don't even I like really Odell. Like I don't, but at wide receiver 16, yep. Yeah, that's, He can that's, give you the wide receiver one overall one season. It's in his range of possibilities. Yeah, that, that's a great value there. And Dan, you had your hand up over there. I'm gonna, I feel like a teacher. 
uh, Mr. Lamagna, the floor is yours. I want to be courteous, JB. So I don't want to interrupt this great content you guys are providing. Uh, but, I, you know, I saw Justin make the Odell Beckham comment. And I just think I'm very curious who this team took in the fifth round. You know, here they're going to pick again in three three picks later. So I think, you know, did this person panic a little bit? Maybe they're a big Judy fan. Maybe, they, you know, they see his ceiling and they think he's going to be the guy. But knowing C.D. Lamb didn't go in this fourth round, and in most drafts, Lamb's going before Judy. You know, most likely he is getting Jerry Judy at 502. So it's like you could still get your guy, even if that fifth round's a little bit of a reach. But, you know, did he pass up a good running back like we're going to see Kenyon Drake later? Did he pass up Odell Beckham? You know, how is his roster constructed? I think you really need to know market value and when you're picking again and if that guy's going to slide to you. You know, if, if for some reason he just couldn't live without Jerry Judy, he still could have gotten at least a few picks later. So there's, you know, a little less of a reach for him. And we always talk about that. We look at players and we might like that player plenty, but it doesn't make sense to take them at a certain spot. I love Josh Allen. Absolutely love him. Everybody knows that. I don't think I, I might've acquired one share, maybe two in all of the startups we've done, because I just don't like the point in the draft that he's going. And Mitch, I think you have something to say. Yeah. I was just going to bring up real quick, Dan, that was a really good point. Cause looking at this draft, DeAndre Swift went at 409, so two picks ahead of Judy. So I would actually put good money on it. It was someone looking at the rookies coming off the board. They saw Judy would be up next in a rookie draft. You know, he'd be going right after Swift. And so they were probably like, well, I need to get him now because I'm not going to be able to get him later. And so they just took him ahead of whatever, you know, wide receiver would actually be a wide receiver 15 in the league. And this actually seems like a pretty balanced draft. We're mm-hmm. sitting here through the fourth round. Odell Beckham, wide receiver 16. DeAndre Swift, w- running back 18. So I'm assuming it went really running back heavy early. And it kind of balanced out. More wide receivers started to go. But I, I think for me, Dan, I love you bringing up Mark Andrews. Because tight end premium, he should be off the board prior to this. But once you take away that premium, I think you really have to drop these tight ends down. Mm-hmm. Because those tight ends that are going in the 7th, 8th round of non-premium leagues... I'm more than happy taking. So if you can't get Kittle at the spot, you're looking at him. I'm okay fading tight end for the most part down to the seventh or eighth round, probably. And I, you know, like, like I said, I love that pick of Mark Andrews as your thumbs down. And then Mitch, I quarterback 11 Carson Wentz in the fourth round. Holy cow. That's value. So yeah, I love him there. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Jumping ahead to the fifth round. And this one comes from, I think it's at Wecklin. Maybe it's Westlin. I don't know. But it's a 12-team super flex. Again, no tight end premium. At 501, you have Kenyon Drake, Allen Robinson, Calvin Ridley. Here, Dan, finally, we get to a Cowboy, C.D. Lamb. And we had Zeke in the first round, so don't get too crazy. DJ Shark, Joe Burrow, Matt Ryan, Cortland Sutton, Debo Samuel, Tua, Judy, McLaurin. Mitch, we're going to start with you this round. Who is your thumbs up out of those 12 players? So, I mean, this just brings why we love Superflex because all these drafts are so different. Dan brought up in the third round, his thumbs down was Matt Ryan because at quarterback 11 in the third round, he thought he could get better players. Now, in the fifth round, I'm saying that my thumbs up is Matt Ryan at quarterback 11, which is the exact same, like... In the quarterback spectrum, he's getting selected at quarterback 11, 
but you're getting him later in the draft to where he could have got skill players higher up. And that's why I love Matt Ryan there. He's, although he is an older quarterback, I think you still have at least five years to where he could give you quarterback one upside. And that's what I'm looking for in a round five quarterback. I think that's absolutely perfect for him. Then my thumbs down actually had a really hard time picking one in this round because I think everyone drafted really well. So by default, I went with Debo Samuel just because I am such a big George Kittle guy that I think he's always going to be getting 30% of the targets. And I don't know if Debo will ever be the guy that ends up getting 20, 25% of the targets moving forward, especially in a Jimmy Garoppolo run first offense. I was really happy with the way this worked out. Like I said, you two didn't know who the other one picked. But this is one of the few times that you agreed. So, Dan, we're going to start with your thumbs down here for round five. Yeah, I'm right there with Mitch on, on Debo Samuel as I evaluated this round. You know, I see some, you know, receivers with really high ceilings that I'm excited about. And as much as I love Debo as a player, you know, he's a very good dynasty pick. There's just something about that Niners offense that I'm not sure about this year. You know, I, I, I see him loading up, and I see a lot of talent in this offense. I'm thinking, hmm, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, are they building around him with the weapons? But George Kittle is the man. They're super high on Ayuk. They have depth at receiver to spread the ball around a little bit. You know, even names were not that aren't really big now. They're late-round flyers. But Trent Taylor, they had big plans for him last year. Jalen Hurd looked awesome in the preseason before he got injured. So they got some sleeper guys. They love dumping the ball to the running backs. They love running the ball, period. So I don't I just I think Debo is just not going to get the volume that other guys are going to have. And that made him a, a thumb down for me. You know, and, and good point, Mitch, on, on Matty Ice there for our listeners. You know, I said, even if quarterbacks were flying off the board in that other draft, I don't want a fifth a guy I could get in the fifth round in the third round and, and pass out on somebody in the fifth round. Matty Ice is solid here. You're, you're setting yourself up at quarterback and you've built your roster nice with advantages at other positions. Um, thumbs up for this round. Again, uh, there, there's many directions I think you can go, but I went with Kenyon Drake on just high upside. I'm, I'm just one of those guys. I think I'm in on Kenyon Drake this year in that Arizona offense. I think they're going to spread it out. Even if they mix up their formations, I just think they're going to get that. They're, they're never going to have more than seven in the box with Kyler Murray in that passing game. And I think Kenyon Drake's going to do some exciting things. Um, I think it's a great way to kick off that round. It was a smart play. It probably solidified that that team with a very good running game. Let me let me ask you guys a question because Kenyon Drake, he's really high on everybody's board right now. And for a running back that really hasn't had a huge sample size, a new team as of last year, the last year of his contract here, they got the one-year deal. What do you guys think last year, instead of the one-year deal, what if he got a three-year deal? in Arizona after what we saw, where would he be going? I think he'd be a top 12 dynasty running back. Yeah, there's ceiling there to be tapped. You know, you're spot on. Those three-year contracts make us feel a lot better in dynasty than a one-year contract. But I think he has a prime opportunity, an opportunity to get his contract extended. And or I just think he's going to score a lot of points, and it's a great opportunity to sell high later on. I'm yeah, that's a running backs. great point. Like Aaron Jones, he went at 404 in the previous draft. We talked about it running back 17. If he gets a three-year extension, he's going to be a top 12 running back. So, so many guys, they have this level of production, but I think you're getting the discount because some owners play scared. And I know Mitch, you always say that I play scared. And to mm -hmm. an extent I do, 
I know I like to use the other S word strategic as opposed to scared. You're shaking your head there, but at running back 18 in the fifth round, I think he is, I, I it's tough to say somebody can be a league winner that early, but I think he has the potential to be a league winner this year. If he came out and he was a top five running back in 2020, I wouldn't be shocked. If he was running back 24, I wouldn't be shocked. So he has a really wide range of outcomes. And Dan, I think you have something else here about Kenyon Drake. Yeah, I've never been more intrigued by the running back position, I think, than I am this year. Just as the, the landscape's changing and there's so many guys that are entering free agent years and are on one-year contracts. You know, some of these guys on one-year contracts, I, I think they have talent, even if they don't get re-signed. You know, Aaron Jones, James Conner, Marlon Mack, they might pick up next year and be still solid somewhere else at the same time i'm i'm nervous like you're mentioning jb and and that's why i want those bell cow backs earlier so i don't even have to worry about it as much but i think knowing the running back position and following this landscape is going to be a full-time job this year going into next season you really need to stay ahead of the position all right so oh go ahead sorry little soapbox time so here this is like the dfs player in me right this is the if you could hit on the 1% and let's say you have five dynasty leagues, let's say you, you love Kenyon Drake and you think he is going to get that next contract. And so you go out and you trade your, whoever is valued right next to Kenyon Drake and you trade for Drake in every single league. If Kenyon Drake gets that contract, he's going to be a third round draft pick in July, if he gets signed in June, if he gets signed in July, you know, it'll happen in August. So if you find that guy that you're completely confident in, and I don't care who it is, whatever guy you personally are all about, and you go out and you acquire the shares, there's a chance he ends up being carry on Johnson and like, you're not going to ever get it back. There's a chance. There's also a chance to where you're on him first. Like for instance, you guys know I was huge on Jordan, uh, Jordan Howard, before he even like he used to go round 15 round 16 round 17 is where he was going because everyone said Miami is drafting a running back and all of a sudden Miami doesn't draft a running back where's Jordan Howard going now now he's going in the ninth ninth and tenth round of each draft and so if you could be right on the guys that you have a lot of faith in your teams automatically gain value and you don't even have to do anything for that to happen if you're right and so I think that's something that like JB said, playing scared, it's not for me in Dynasty at all. Get the guys you like, get a lot of them, and if it works out, so be it. I love Mitch, that, Mitch. Mitch, you're excited over there because your camera is bouncing up and down. I'm getting seasick <laughs> over here. Oh, look out. <laughs> There's a malfunction there. But oh, yeah, man. Mitch, you talk, you talk about the guys that, and we got to work through the malfunctions here, but we talk about the guys that if you're right on, you can really reap the benefits Last year for me, it was Chris Carson and Mark Ingram. Now, while we didn't see a spike in value for either, you know, Mark Ingram, he's 78 years old. Chris Carson, everybody always hates him. So there's not a spike in perceived value, but they're guys that helped me win some money last year in my dynasty leagues. Uh, Dan, did you have something before Mitch suffered a, an earthquake <laughs> there in his dad's basement? See, we're both getting excited here. I, no, I just love Mitch's points. I, I think it just adds to you really need to stay on top of the running back positions for a variety of reasons. One is you can strike gold, like Mitch is saying, if you get ahead of it and you take your guy and then he gets a contract or an opportunity. And the other part, JB, you're not going to want to hear this, but I, you know, I get a little hot and steamy there when Mitch talks DFS. You know, I, I know that doesn't work with your, your dynasty years, but 
<laughs> I told you, you guys start doing D- DFS theory. You two <laughs> are much better at DFS than I am. And that's why I played the role of the host when we did our start sit show during the 2019 season. But, you know, going back here to these, the fifth round, I like Debo Samuel as the thumbs down. I like Debo Samuel a lot, but I just, there is something about that offense. It's a run first offense. I hate to say there's too many weapons in an offense. I don't want to use that as as an excuse. I think it's a cop-out answer, but Debo Samuel wide receiver 23, there are some guys that I would prefer over him. And you see the guy that went right after him, Tua. While he was quarterback 12, maybe a little early, I would much rather take a quarterback, I think, than Debo Samuel there at 509. There's some offenses, John, where having too many weapons works to your favor. You know, I I say it does for Dallas because there's a lot of targets and a lot of guys eat and get their fantasy points. But I think the way the Niners operate their offense, where they're eating clock and it's a little more West Coast and it's distributed, I I do think it hurts them a little. Yeah, it is tough. You know, in Cowboys, Chiefs, you get the, the massive amount of plays and the opportunities. I don't think we see that in San Francisco. I hope we do because I have a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo that I've gotten late in startups. So I hope they start to really open up that offense, maybe a little quicker pace of play, more passing attempts, but I would like to see them open it up here. Going ahead to the sixth round, and we're we're plugging along here. This one comes from at FF Larry Monkey. We're switching over to tight end premium. It's a 12-team super flex with a tight end premium. And again, we're seeing CD Lamb pop up. CD Lamb comes in at 601, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram at tight end five. He's at 605. Chris Carson, we just talked about him. Allen Robinson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Diggs, Ruggs, Stafford, and then coming in at running back 25, Mr. Le'Veon Bell at 612. Dan, who's your thumbs up out of this group of 12? This pains me. I am starting to see these Cowboys pop up, and I'm just not picking them. And, and I think with a you know a CD Lamb, I just think you're getting them where you should have them. And but my up here, and and he's just he's starting to rise on my boards, guys. You know, I I liked him, and he's just I think I was a little uh, I guess taken back on draft day. You know, as the team the Raiders just I, I I didn't think he was the right pick, but the more I study it, the more I look at it, I'm just liking Henry Ruggs more and more in drafts because I think he's sliding a bit. And I think he's a sneaky top talent that's going after those other big rookies and other receivers. Sometimes we're even seeing, you know, Rager go before him. Or I just think Ruggs is a fit. You know, I think this, he's, it's not just a deep ball thing. It is West Coast offense. Get the ball in his hands. Get the yards after the catch. They drafted him that high for a reason. They're investing in him. And I think he's going to be the Raiders' number one receiver. I know there's Brian Edwards talking. I love him, too. I'm starting to get a bit excited about the the Raiders' future and thinking, you know, hey, they did some good things at wide receiver and for that offense there. So Ruggs is my thumbs up. I just think it's great at the end of the sixth round and a lot of high upside. And before, my da- b- before we get to your thumbs down, this is the only one where you two disagreed. So Mitch, you have Henry Ruggs as your thumbs down. I do, and it's really because he's wide receiver twenty three, and so you're saying that every. You know, you think that for his future, he's going to be a wide receiver too every year. And I I think, you know, I hate to say it because I think it's the cop-out answer. Oh, he's a really good best ball play, you know, because he's going to have those huge spike weeks. And I absolutely hate saying it, but I think it fits rugs really well. Is I don't, how many, 
what percentage of targets are you going to give him? Are you going to give him 23% that offense to where like, I'll just skip ahead real quick to my thumbs up. We'll get back to Dan, but like you can look at Calvin Ridley who is going, you know, just right ahead of him at wide receiver 20, but you could give him 20% of the targets and you could give him a wide receiver one season. And you could see that easily in his range of outcomes. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a season to where Henry Ruggs is anything more than a back-end wide receiver, too. Here, Mitch, before we get to Dan's maybe rebuttal, you know, we'll kind of kick off the the battle early tonight and his thumbs down. I cannot think of his last name, but it's Peter something on Twitter. And he does all the funny videos. Yep, that's what I was thinking of when I was saying it. And he's been doing the TikToks, which I think are absolutely hilarious. Mm -hmm. But the one he's like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And it's like the caption was uh, a boom bust receiver. And then at the end, he goes, they'd be really good in best ball. And like that, like you said, it's kind of the cop out cliche answer. But I think to an extent, it's true. But uh, I can't think of his last name, but the videos are fantastic. And I honestly believe, talking about DFS again, that Ruggs is going to win people a million dollars this year. There is going to be a million dollar lineup this year on DFS. Dan's going to win it, and he's going to have Henry Ruggs in his lineup. Like, Well, let me ask you a question. Is it a prerequisite that you have to be on The Bachelor to win that million dollars? I don't oh, know if they haven't asked. It, it helps. I mean, having 300 lineups instead of the 150 <laughs> definitely helps. I mean, if anything, polygamy might be the way to go. Cause then you could get like 750 lineups and then you could have like every base covered and then you'll win it every week. So yeah, you guys need to make that pitch to your wives and see how that goes. Hey, I'll see how it goes. Hun, listen, we could be millionaires, but we need to expand our horizons a little bit. Hey, hopefully DraftKings, you know, clean that up. That They had to give the money back. They couldn't keep it. So I think justice was served there. I'm with Mitch. Ruggs is going to be on my lineup when I hit that million maker this year. I'm determined. But it, I just think Ruggs could also be a league winner at some point. I see I, I see Tyreek Hill potential there. And I know a little bit it is DFS boom or bust, you know, but it, we know where Hill's going in drafts. Mm-hmm. And I think even if Ruggs is, well, let's just call him a bust, I think a bus lands him at Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley territory that's in this sixth round. So I just want that higher ceiling. And, th- and that's why I gave the thumbs up at the end of the sixth there. So would you take are you taking rugs ahead of uh Tyler Boyd? You put me on the spot there. I don't have enough time to think about that. I'm a little higher on Boyd than I am these guys in this round. I would take him ahead of Ridley and Diggs. A-Rob's a little bit tougher. Boyd's a little bit tougher for me. But they're right there. Now, I, this is, and Dan, I, I gave you a compliment in our group chat earlier today. I said, I, re, I said, Mitch better bring it because I really like the list that Dan provided. Mm-hmm. And typically, you provide your, your answers to my prompts. And in the chat, I'm like, what the heck is he talking about? How's this guy a buy low or a sell high or whatever the situation is? But this is the one out of this group that I just, I, can't agree with i can't get on board he's always going a little bit earlier than i'm willing to invest and maybe like mitch talked about maybe when we get closer to the season these players like rugs cd lamb jerry judy they get into that range that i'm just a little more comfortable but right now i can't pull the trigger in the fifth or sixth round on these types of wide receivers and when i say these types i mean rookie wide receivers 
My last point on Ruggs JB would be when I watched his film going into the draft, I, I just had flashes of Tyreek Hill in my mind. Like I, I really enjoyed his film. And then recently listening to Greg Cosell, who's a big, huge film guy. He's really been high on what he's seen in Ruggs. So just being a film guy is just, it's a little bit more of a gut thing here of, of his ceiling. So we have a comment from Justin. It kind of got split up here. He was so excited. He hit send before he could finish his thought. But Justin <laughs> says Ruggs is going to be the wide receiver one in Vegas. They didn't spend that draft capital for, wait no. for it, <laughs> nothing. So and I mean, I get it. I do that, think he's going to be the wide receiver one there. But are you going to give him six targets a game or the Tyreek Hill 10 targets up to 17 targets a game that Tyreek Hill's got before? I, I want to pose we a see rugs on that level. That's the question here. Or do I we see po- Deshaun Jackson to where he gets five or six really good ones each year? I'm trying yeah, to interrupt Mitch. I'm trying to interrupt Mitch. Mitch, Mitch is standing. I'm not letting it happen. Here. Nope. Not letting it happen this time. My thought was we're talking about draft capital and you're saying, Justin, I get, I get the point. I definitely get it. That rugs was, he's going to be the wide receiver one because of where he went in the draft. Then we really have to start upping. Brandon Ayuk's draft capital, I think. He was taken in the first round. And we talk about these market inefficiencies. You know, Ayuk taken in the first. Uh, Van Jefferson taken in the second. And Lynn, Lynn Bowden taken pretty you know, in middle of the third. And that's plenty for where these guys are going that, you know, could really have an impact. The, there are market inefficiencies. And I do think rugs to an extent. You look at where he's going in drafts. You know, CeeDee Lamb, he's he's edging him out everywhere. Jerry Judy, we saw him go as high as wide receiver 15. You're never going to see a Henry Ruggs go wide receiver 15. And if you do, I'd be very shocked. But I just, I, I think if we're going to point to that as to why he's the wide receiver one in Vegas, we have to look at players like Brandon Ayuk that, while they were taken in the first, they also have to be a wide receiver one. Not if you don't see the talent in Ayuk. Not everybody sees what we see in Ruggs. So I think there's some debate there, JB, too. You know, who's your guys? Who do you believe in? Who's going to be a bust? Some of these receivers in the first round got a bust. Who's it going to be? I think there's a better chance of Ayuk busting than Ruggs. And then that also goes back to that San Francisco system that is more of a concern than I, I think Ruggs has a better opportunity with Vegas. Oh, there's so much dysfunction in Vegas. And the 49ers are such a stable franchise. There's a point there. There is a point there. But the, the gap between Ruggs and Ayuk is, is, is much much bigger for me. No, I, I just have to give that jab there. You know, I have to tease you about the dysfunction. And you actually, you've calmed down a little bit on it. I, I have to admit, I think it's me bringing it up more than anybody at this point, just to kind of tease you. Mitch, before we move on to the seventh round, do you have any other thoughts here on the guys we talked about here in the sixth? I think we covered most of it. I think we forgot our thumbs down. You know, I just say, Evan Oh, Ingram. your thumbs down. Yeah, we forgot yeah. Dan's thumbs down. Ingram's made a glass to me. I, I'm just I'm I'm scarred. I'm I'm not confident. I'm I'm just not taking my. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wait a few rounds. Hopefully get uh, Hawkinson or Hunter Henry or Waller or Fant and uh, take a different stud here. I, I I don't want the injury guy on my roster. This draft is really interesting to me because Evan Ingram, tight end five, and I think pretty much that's on par with where he typically goes. But we're in the sixth round. And this is tight end premium. Is it two PPR? Is it start two tight ends? Is it 1.5, 1.25? So I would like to see the scoring setting. And unfortunately, I didn't get that. 
Yeah, that makes such a huge difference with the tight end premium. We talk about it over again, but we might as well now. With tight end premium, the reason why you're doing it is so you could sometime play a tight end in the flex position over a different player. If your tight end premium isn't enough for that to happen, then it's not really a premium because you're just going to start your one tight end each week that you're doing in non-premium leagues anyways. So the premium has to be enough to where you're going to want to start Ian Thomas over Jamison Crowder some week. You know, you're just going to want to do something like that. If your premium doesn't allow that to happen, then it, there's no point having it in the first place besides saying it's a tight end premium league. When we look at the safe leagues that we do, I have leagues, and Dan, I think you're in a league with me where I did this, and Mitch, I know you are, where I might have a Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, Hooper, Engram, and I'm just loading up because I know that I can start those guys at my flex positions, and not only can I start them, I take them out of the available talent pool Mm -hmm. that you can take them. So now, you know, Mitch, you mentioned Ian Thomas. You're forced to start an Ian Thomas, even though I love him. From a point-per-game perspective he's not an evan engram and he's not going to be an evan engram but can engram stay healthy i know that's your issue with him dan yeah i just there's some guys i'd rather take and, and that's what it comes down to for me you know i like the the hoarding tight end strategy to degree if you could get a little bit of an edge there that has a lot of value so depending on the scoring format like you mentioned i mean there's a place for ingram here he's just not my guy and i'm not confident in his injury history All right, so we're moving along nicely. We're an hour in, and I see there's still a few people watching us live. I don't know how people deal with us for more than like 10 minutes at a time. I know my wife, after like a 10-minute conversation, she's like, I got to go do something. And, you know, I I know that's just the the cue for her to get away. It's a football family watching here tonight, JB. That's why we're here for each other. You know, the the ladies don't have the football attention span. We're, We're working on that. I laugh because my wife she was in a fantasy football league before she met me. And she said with how many leagues I'm in the way I act on Sundays and outside of Sundays. Now at this point with a show writing, all this other stuff, she said, I took the joy out of it. And that was never my intent, but I think that shows kind of how crazy we are. And especially me, I I'll be the first to admit I'm absolutely insane when it comes to this stuff. I think people know that. And you know, it drove her away from, even liking fantasy football. So going to the seventh round here, and this comes from at gridiron devotee, and it's a 12 team super flex tight end premium. Again, this is the seventh round. We have James Connor running back 27, Keyshawn Vaughn, Adam Thielen at wide receiver 30, Tyler Boyd, Matt Ryan. Again, we look at Matt Ryan. He's gone between the third and seventh round. Now, Aaron Rodgers, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, TJ Hawkinson, David Johnson, Jared Goff, and Devontae Parker at 7-12. And Mitch, I think it's on you to get us started. So who is your thumbs up out of this group? So thumbs up is Tyler Boyd at wide receiver 31. I mean, we know that Joe Burrow loved throwing to Jefferson out of the slot. You know, Tyler Boyd's going to be in the slot for him. I think that is going to be an easy plug and play back in wide receiver two all season long. You can play him in every single matchup. You don't have to worry about it. And so I think Boyd is an easy smash there at wide receiver 31. And actually, my thumbs down is Hawk Hawkinson. It's, does that hurt you? Does that hurt you to say? Not wow. really. Because you see, there's a little bit of a run on tight ends that happened there. And I think the guy got a little bit worried. You had. 
Waller go, go off the board, then Hunter Henry, and then TJ Hawkinson as tight end seven. I think that's and too early. It's just too early. And I mean, you're hoping that he could be tight end seven at some point in this future to where I know people are bashing him right now and we could probably get into it if we wanted to, but I'd much rather have Austin Hooper. I would rather have a few more guys than have TJ Hawkinson right now. You know, Noah Fant. I would probably rather have Noah Fant right now than TJ Hawkinson. It's too high for him. He he has the skill set to be tight end seven. But if you even just look at the Lions offense, Matthew Stafford has never really targeted tight ends after Brandon Pettigrew, you know, left him after his third season in the league. It's just not something that he's ever done. And until we see that happen, I don't see why you would want to spend that draft capital on him when you could grab anyone after him. I mean, Jared Goff at quarterback 16, that tells me there's a lot of quarterbacks still on the board that you could have taken over Hawkinson at that point. Yeah, I I actually agree with you on Hawkinson. And, you know, you talked about Brandon Pettigrew before we get to Dan's red flag. And don't worry, I'm going to I'm going to let you toss it. But you look at a tight end like Eric Ebron. I know a lot of people, they don't like him. You know, stone hands. He, he, he drops a lot of balls. But when you look at his first and second year in the league, while there were definitely some problems, he was a producer from the start. I think he was like tight end 14, which is pretty good for a rookie coming in. So if you're expecting much more than that, it's kind of crazy. But TJ Hawkinson at tight end seven, I do think that's too early. Because one, I think there's tight ends I would take over them. And two, there's other positions I would take over them. And Dan is just ready to go through the screen. So throw the red flag and let us know what your thoughts are. Red flag tossed. You know, the Lucky Dynasty Theory, you guys signed me to like a multi-year contract here. If I wasn't on the show tonight, this is the point where I would have just hung up as I am just disgusted where, you know, I thought Mitch was having a good draft. He had a six solid rounds. We get to round seven. This is where I thought Mitch would just be on brand. Instead of going on brand and taking Keyshawn Vaughn and just, just being neutral on Hawkinson being a Lions fan, which that's part of the red flag here. You know, you, the Steelers Lions fans that you guys call yourself, it's 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 subject for, for a court date there as John's got, you know, Packers and Cowboys on his wall. Uh, I'm a mess now. I'm just a mess with those picks. I, uh, Mitch, I just think TJ Hawkinson, I, I think he had an injury last year that cost him. I think Stafford was battling an injury. It was his rookie year. I just think he's a real talented dude that in a tight end premium league, you know, Hunter Henry Waller, all those guys went. I think you get your guy and you're set for a long time. I'm still believing in Hawkinson's talent. I think the stock is just down right now. I think if Ebron didn't drop balls, he, he so many footballs, he would have had a good career in Detroit there. Um, I'm just distraught that you're a Lions fan and you put him on your thumbs down list. And uh, But you, you are okay you, with him at tight end seven? He's in that range, you know, you know, especially if I'm a Lions fan. If I'm a Lions fan, that is my tight end seven. If I'm a Steelers or Cowboys fan, JB, all right, maybe not. I think it's more the fact that Mitch put him as the thumbs down than if you had him as the thumbs down, JB. There's, there's got to be some fan loyalty there. Uh, so, so I'm a little struggling with that. But uh, for me, James Conner to me uh, is trending back up. I'm just believing in James Conner. I think in the seventh round, you're solidifying another competitive running back that, you know, I am a little bit worried about health, but I think his, I think he's going to stay healthy this year. He's a workout warrior. And uh, instead of sliding any more on running back and having a gamble on Ronald Jones later, 
give me James Conner right now. I'm Conner strong. And then my guy down is uh, thumbs down is Devontae Parker. I, I'm thinking a little bit of one-year wonder syndrome for how high he's shooting up draft boards right now. Not saying I don't like Parker. I think he's going to be a fantasy contributor. But there's either some young talent on the board right now or some just guys that I feel a lot more comfortable with than one-year wonder Devontae Parker. These were interesting to me as well because I think Devontae Parker, I actually think he's a value wide receiver 32. He has shown that he has top 12 upside, but he also shown what his floor is wide receiver 158 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, Tyler Boyd, I love that pick at wide receiver 31. James Connor, only because of who he went ahead of, I have to give him the thumbs down. <sighs> Keyshawn Vaughn, he's going right behind him. If there's a player that has a better chance to rise in value, it's Keyshawn Vaughn. And I, I don't know, Dan, how you can disagree with that. When James Conner is healthy, he produces. And I think he's going to produce this year. And I, I, I think he could skyrocket up the boards, JB. No, but again, that, that's predicated on the fact that he gets a contract extension. If he's walking and he's going to be a real running back by committee. Pittsburgh's one of the only spots where he has the opportunity to be a bell cow, and now you have Anthony McFarland. I know he's taking the fourth round. I know people, you know, I, I I made the joke about Booger and Snot. I was going to start calling him Snot McFarland instead of Booger. You know, just one of my terrible jokes. But I, I don't know, James Conner, I don't think he has the opportunity to rise in value. Is he okay in the seventh round? Yeah, running back 27. I wouldn't have batted an eye. Like, I'm never going to call that out at this point. But I just, I would much prefer my man Keyshawn Vaughn because I think he has a much better opportunity to rise in value. And that's what we want. We talked about the running backs. Mitch, you talked about it earlier. If you're right about some of these running backs, he's a seventh rounder today in Keyshawn Vaughn. Maybe he's a fourth rounder or a third rounder next year. Could, could he drop? Sure. But I don't think James Conner's ever going to be above this point again. It was only yeah. a year ago that he was a second or third round pick, but at least and, you're that, was, on, and that was a big mistake. At least you're on brand, like JB, unlike someone else I know right now. So speak about not being on brand even more. So in uh, there's a league that I'm in with John. It's an Empire League, and I was trying to get rid of Leonard Fournette any way possible. And I actually had an offer for Keyshawn Vaughn straight up that I turned down, and I traded him to traded Leonard Fournette to John for James Conner today. It's point per carry. So I like James Conner a lot there. And so it's a good one. Yeah. It's just one to where I don't want Fournette on any team. And I got a running back who's going to be on the field. I'm like, sure, we'll take that one. See, I see them pretty similarly. I think the perceived value around Leonard Fournette is much higher than James Conner for the most part. I think I don't know if you're going to see a startup where Leonard Fournette's going after James Conner. But when I saw that trade hit my inbox, one, I think I broke my phone because I hit accept so quickly, but I just, I love James Conner and I, it's a great story, but are either of those players going to be in their respective situations beyond 2020? Probably not. Leonard Fournette's going to be on the move. James Conner. I hope the Steelers extend him. I hope he stays healthy. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he plays 16 games. He's a potential league MVP. So I really hope that. Do I think that's going to happen? No. And I, I just think that Leonard Fournette, if I wanted to flip him, I think I could get more than if I would have just traded James Conner somewhere else. That was my mindset. We're sitting here May 26th. I, I'm always looking at the market and can I flip somebody? And I have time to make that move. And in that league, I know there's some really hungry owners for running backs. 
as they're long both. as they're not named Leonard Fournette, because everyone hates Leonard Fournette now. <laughs> yeah, for the for the most part, I I, I do agree. And I, I, I I've been trying to move him too. I have I still, to. I still like Uncle Lenny if he stays in Jacksonville. I think there's still enough volume there where he's going to be a productive back. He's still young. He's in great shape. If they trade him, I think he lands somewhere good. If he doesn't get a contract, I think he lands somewhere eventually. He's a hothead. You know, I haven't played basketball with him before, guys. He is still a little <laughs> bit intimidating and scary, so I've got some personal experience to share there. But but I like to trade for both these. They're the running backs I'm talking about that you really just got to watch where they land. But I think they're both talented enough to pick up somewhere else, even if their teams don't resign them versus some backs that will work themselves out of the league or – you know, not be as exciting. I like them both. That's a win-win trade, guys. Good job. See, you say there's a chance, or you, you mentioned the Jaguars extending Leonard Fournette. I think there's like a 1% chance that happened. Yeah, I don't think they do. I'm just saying they're going to feed him. They're going to pump him the ball this year. I think Raquel Armstead's a guy to also have, um, but I think he's a solid player this year, Fournette. I just think, it. let's say I agree. I agree. They probably don't resign him. He's talented enough to land somewhere else. He'll he will be a starting running back somewhere next year. I believe that. So my closing thought on Fournette is going to be he isn't an elite talent at all. He gets elite work as a running back, and that's the only reason why he's draftable. Which is all that we care about is getting those touches. But I don't see him ever getting those touches on a different team. I think Jacksonville's willing to do it, but I don't see him going to a different league to a different team next year. And they're like, Hey, yeah, we're going to give you another hundred targets and 300 rushing, you know, attempts. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Not elite, but I think he's above average. Yeah. You know, I, I want him to have the ball on the goal line. If I have an offensive line that could block for him. Yeah. He got there. a whole three <laughs> touchdowns last year. That was yeah. awesome. And that's a product of Jacksonville's offensive line. I truly believe that. Like he was dead in the backfield before he barely took the handoff. Mitch, your mouth said Leonard Fournette, and then you started talking about everything. You could have put James Conner's name right in there. He's a product of the offense. Mm -hmm. He's not an elite talent. He gets mm -hmm. the touches. He's not going to get them elsewhere. So you He's, could real. Connor has also never been suspended for punching someone in their face mask. And we're not worrying right now about Pittsburgh wanting to trade him for anything possible. Jacksonville, on the other hand, if you could trade him like a conditional 75th draft pick in the 2070, you know, NFL draft, they would take that in a second. <laughs> Uncle Lenny did tame down last year, though. He was better. He is a hothead. Yeah, he didn't he punch anybody. Restraint. I mean, he that's the bar restraint. where we're at right now. There no one got punched, times. and so we're okay. It's funny, though, Mitch. There were a couple of times where his teammates did have to hold him back a little last year, but two years ago, they couldn't even hold him back. So he's, he's making progress. He's bettering himself as a person. I think we're getting off the tracks. To bring you us know, back, JB. You, but last point there, I think the fact that he didn't want to punch Dan on the basketball court, I think that really has shown his growth. You know, Dan's probably getting there. Hey, Lenny, let me get a picture. And he's like, dude, I'm trying to play basketball here. Leave me alone. All right. So we have two more rounds we want to get through. Getting a little tight here because Dan had to talk about Uncle Lenny. But sitting here in the eighth round, this comes from Advice Superflex. It's 12 teams, no tight end premium, 12 team Superflex, no tight end premium. 801, Christian Kirk, and then Chris Carson, Devin Singletary, Darren Waller, Austin Hooper, tight end nine, Keyshawn Vaughn, Marquise Brown, Matthew Stafford, Michael Pittman, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, and Raheem Mostert at 812 as running back 27. 
Dan, who's your thumbs up out of this group? This is my biggest thumbs up of the night. I said it. He's last year's DJ Shark, although not going as late as Shark. So there's a little bit luster off here in the eighth round. But I just love Marquise Hollywood Brown this year. I think Lamar Jackson takes another step. I think Brown is healthy now. He's had a full offseason. He's not coming into the season off an injury, you know, learning on the fly. He flashed last year. I think this year we see the consistency. He is clearly Lamar Jackson's number one. Uh, they're working out already in, the, in this quarantine time, working on all kinds of routes. He's working out with Antonio Brown and my boy Dez. Uh, it's Hollywood season for me. So I am all a thumbs up on this gentleman in Advice Superflex League that took Marquise Hollywood Brown. Great, great pick. Love him. And then who's your thumbs down here in the eighth round? Thumbs down. Uh, I like this guy clearly the least out of everyone here. He just doesn't make me feel good taking him. It's a a San Francisco running back. That's part of the problem. Maybe I'm being slightly ageist, but Raheem Mostert, uh, to me, he's a one to three year rental platoon player. I just think you're limiting what you're going to get out of him. And you're you're still, I think, going to be frustrated some weeks this year, the way the Niners utilize their running backs. Um, yeah, he's a good running back to have on your roster, but in dynasty in the eighth round, uh, I'm not excited. All right, Mitch, let's bounce over to you. Who is your thumbs up in the eighth round? Mine's going to be quick. It's Matthew Stafford. So he's going at quarterback 21. I and think that's my, all you have to say right there. Mike, right. Brand, finally. And, and then you look at the thumbs, my thumbs down right after him. Tom Brady is going at quarterback 22. How can you have Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady going back to back in a draft? Like, how does Stafford drop to the 20s in the first place? Then how do you draft Brady immediately afterwards when you know at best you're going to get two years? Like, you're hoping as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan that you get two great years out of Tom Brady. Matthew Stafford, I don't, this weird injury label thing that he's going to retire this past season, it's really weird. Like, last season was the first time that he missed since his second year in the league, so he's been healthy for like eight seasons in a row, never missing a game. He's playing awesome. He he was on pace for a 5,000-yard season and 40 touchdowns before his injury last year. He is everything that you want in a quarterback, and getting him at quarterback 21 is huge. And Tom Brady is just, I mean, is he going to produce this year? Probably. Is he going to be on the field next year? Maybe who knows? And so I just that doesn't you know make any sense to me at all. I completely agree with all four picks here. I'm not a huge Marquise Brown guy, but at wide receiver 36, the upside's there. Matthew Stafford at quarterback 21, sign me up. Tom Brady, I actually have a few shares, and if I'm win now, I'm okay with him, but not at quarterback 22 in a startup, especially when Kirk Cousins is going right after him. I'm not gonna take Brady above Cousins, and then Raheem Mostert the what 27 year old breakout player it's he'll be fine i think for 2020 what happens beyond that i don't know now racing ahead here to the ninth and final round and this comes from at dynasty underscore goat on twitter 12 team super flex not tight end premium and mitch we're going to start with you for your last thumbs up of the night at 901 Dwayne haskins Ronald Jones, Will Fuller, Mike Gesicki, Darius Slayton, Derek Carr, Deontay Johnson. I had to look because it just said D Johnson. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 39, Curtis Samuel, Matt Breida, Brandon Cooks, Marlon Mack at running back 30, and then Mike Williams bringing up the rear at wide receiver 42. 
Mitch, who is your thumbs up? So my thumbs up, and this is actually something I've liked more and more as the offseason progressed, but at wide receiver 41, Brandon Cooks, who could be Deshaun Watson's number one guy going into next season if he could stay healthy. I mean, that is the perfect spot to take some like Brandon Cooks. And my hate's going to be Matt Breida at Your thumbs down. You, you can't do the love thumbs, hate. Thumbs down. I don't down. know why. It doesn't make any sense. But okay, thumbs down. <laughs> Matt Breida, wide, you know, running back 29. It's, I don't think he will ever be able to achieve that unless Jordan Howard gets injured. I don't think he'll get the play time as we've seen previously. Matt Breida has a very hard time staying healthy and I hate holding that against guys, but there's some guys that just continually have the same issues over and over each season. And so he's just someone that I'm not willing to take in the ninth round of a startup. And so it's definitely going to be thumbs up for cooks, thumbs down for Matt Breida. Dan, we're going to bounce it over to you because you have the same guy here for your thumbs down. Yeah, I don't know what all the Matt Breida Twitter love I've been seeing recently is all about because he is made of glass. I've watched a lot of Matt Breida, having been intrigued to buy him in the past with his speed. Um, other than an occasional, you know, big run, why do you want the RB2 in Miami? He is Jordan Howard is the number one running back in Miami. I promise you that. And, uh, you know, not only did he have trouble being made out of glass, he was healthy last year in San Francisco at times and not playing. He started fumbling the ball, so that became another issue there in San Francisco. Uh, so I don't see w- what the love is for Breida. He's definitely a thumbs down. And uh, thumbs up here, to me, it's just a value pick. Similar to Mitch's analysis on Stafford the round before, I like Derek Carr. I think there's sneaky value here in the ninth round for the Oakland Raiders to have a very good offensive season and him to have a very good season. He had a good season last year. All right, I know Gruden was a little enticed by the Tom Brady love out there and the intrigue of maybe getting the GOAT, but at the end of the day, the Raiders decided not to go after Brady and they're sticking with Carr. And I do think you handcuff it with Mariota just to be safe, but I like Derek Carr. He's their guy, at least for this year, and I don't see them changing anytime soon because I think they're going to have a good year. If you faded quarterback in the startup, I love Derek Carr in the ninth round. You know, I'm not actively trading for him in existing leagues, but if you, you know, faded quarterback Derek Carr in the ninth he's that's plenty of value there for him Matt Breida I don't have many shares so I'm on board there and then the other Brandon Cooks for Mitch wide receiver 41 no risk all reward that's fine I, I don't think there's anything crazy there before we sign off we're, we're cutting we're cutting it close right under 90 minutes Mitch do you have any final thoughts whether it's about any of the players we talked about any of the rounds we discussed Anything on your mind? Do you want to talk about The Bachelor? I don't care. No, sadly, they're not recording it right now, so we can't even watch that in the fall. But, you know, this just going over all these drafts shows why we love Superflex. We see Matthew Stafford going in the eighth round. We see him going in the fifth round. Matt Ryan's going in the third round, and some are going in the fifth round of others. And this is why we love this format. It's every single draft is different. Anything. Any little change you could add to it can completely flip it around. And that's, you know, it's why we love Superflex drafts. And I'm going to actually going to try an auction draft here shortly. And we're going to see how it goes because I've never done one before. But I want to try it and just see how much fun it is. So I, I was messaging our guy from the Fantasy Timelines, uh, Superflex Sports, Bill, at mm-hmm. Flex, And I think the three of us, and Dan, if you want to as well, like a low money 
best ball auction that we don't have to maintain during the season just to do an auction because I've mm-hmm. done two and I am terrible at auctions. It's definitely a fun time. I, I wet my whistle last year with an auction draft and, and enjoyed. So, you know, if any two guys could convince me into some other kind of league, it's you two. So I'm listening. All right. So besides the auction draft, Dan, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners here wrapping up this? This is one of our longer shows, but I, 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 uh, I started off the show. I said 90 minutes and we're still coming in within that range. Hey, you know, before you know it, camp will be here. We got to think positive thoughts and, uh, you know, with Scott Fishbowl coming and everybody's, you know, drafts coming up, I think our listeners got a lot of value tonight. And I know every time, even though I talk to you guys as much or more than my wife, sometimes I always leave the show gaining value. So when you look at the different market values by round, I think there's a lot of takeaways to help our listeners tonight. And my final thought, I want to, I want to thank God and the fantasy football gods for having me stand tonight because I don't know if you two could tell, but I've been fidgeting left and right. I need a break before our theory throwdown to use the restroom <laughs> because I've been drinking the TMI. You know me, I'm an open book, but I've been drinking these Vizzies. And of course you have. But <laughs> it's a pretty so drink I never job. heard of them before. And you know, maybe I'll call them, get them to sponsor the show for this free ad. But I was at the liquor store or the beer distributor and I was buying, I went for white claws. Surprise, surprise. Well, they were out. And there was another customer. They said, oh, go get the Vizzies. They're fantastic. They're better than the White Claws. And I have to say, they are pretty darn good. But I've had a few of them, so I'm getting fidgety. And I'm like watching myself here on the screen. But I am going to make it. So don't you too worry. And hopefully the listeners don't worry too much. And thank you to all of our listeners tuning in. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. And subscribe to the show on YouTube. That's Dynasty Theory Stay safe and have a great night.